This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. I am Chris, and today is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. That, of course, makes it DCA Wednesday. We have a lot to talk about. The thing that most people seem to be talking about today are the markets and the uh, Federal Reserve's interest rate hike, the 25 basis points, quarter percent interest rate hike that may or may not have crashed the markets. Uh, of course, you know, we've been seeing interest rates hike, interest rates being continuously hiked over the last several meetings. Every time people say, will this be a pivot? Uh, and the Fed does exactly what they said they were going to do, exactly what they telegraphed they were going to do. And then the market kind of slingshots a little bit, uh, but ends up ultimately going down. I think what the last two interest rate hikes, actually the market went up for a bit and then tanked and then went back up eventually. And today appears to be absolutely no different. <clears throat> we'll get all of, into all of that and more in just a minute. But first, a look at the vital statistics. At the time of this recording, Bitcoin is sitting at a block height of 782,005 and ringing in at a US dollar value of 27,530 or 3,632 sats per dollar. Now, what's amazing is that is down significantly from uh, over 28,000 per Bitcoin just a little while ago. But again, as we've always said, when you zoom out, which dollar cost averaging helps you do, we're actually up more than $3,000 from last Wednesday. Last Wednesday was uh, about $24,460 when we began the podcast. And right now uh, we're up $3,100, almost uh, just under $3,100, a little over $3,000 US dollars from last Wednesday. So despite the fact the markets are crashing and Bitcoin tanked uh, with the uh, with Chairman Jerome Powell's podcast, or podcast, uh, press conference just a little while ago. Uh, we're still sitting really pretty uh, compared to last week. In fact, we're getting dangerously close to our break-even point on our dollar cost average, which seemed a million miles away just you know a week ago or two weeks ago uh, when Bitcoin was closer to twenty thousand uh, dollars per Bitcoin U.S. dollar value. Along those lines, the uh, we are zooming right along, uh, heading towards that next Bitcoin having. Uh, we're currently 57,995 blocks away from the next halving. And that, you know, that, that occurs at block 840,000. And that's looking like that's going to be on April 21st still, which is uh, where it was forecast to be last week. Although that's based not on, you know, our perception of human time, but on block time, on that 10-minute average uh, block time. And since blocks have been coming in a lot faster than 10 minutes on average, that date has been moving up consistently. A couple of weeks ago, it was looking like it was going to be April 24th. Then it was April 22nd. But last week, it settled on April 21st, and that's still what it's looking at right now. Uh, we won't know for sure until it happens. Even the day before the you know the having, it's not sure. You're not sure. It's not assured that's going to happen on a specific day because you can have one of those days where you get like you know six blocks back to back and in, in within a minute, uh, or you can have one of those days where the blocks are taking an hour to come in. So. Again, that's based on 
block time, and it will occur on block 840,000, regardless of when that happens. And the best estimates are still anywhere between March and June of next year, but it's getting closer to uh, a year from now, or it would be a year from now if it happens in March. Uh, either way, it will happen eventually. TikTok next block. And when it does, that's traditionally the start of the next uh, having cycle bull run. You know, we've been having these four-year bull runs, four-year cycles in Bitcoin. Uh, and as Adam Meister likes to remind us, we are currently basically repeating 2019. You know, even if history doesn't repeat, it rhymes. And if you look at the charts, you know, um, Bitcoin is down uh, down percentage-wise from the gains that it that it made after the 2020 halving. But, you know, as far as looking at the, the trend line goes, we're exactly where we were in 2019. Uh, we saw Bitcoin trending up. It gained in value uh, significantly over the next month or two. And then we had another dump. Uh, and, you know, basically Bitcoin will continue to go sideways in general until the halving occurs. And then usually six to 18 months after halving is when we set that new all-time high. We, of course, break the previous all-time high sometime shortly after the halving. Uh, last year, we had the halving in the spring, and then um, Bitcoin set its first new all-time high in December. I believe it was December 20th of 2020. Uh, we saw Bitcoin hit 20,000, break through 20,000 for the first time. And then, of course, on the 21st, it broke 21. On the 22nd, it broke 22. You know, Christmas, it broke 25. And ultimately, it went up to 66,000 in April of 2021. Then we had the Elon dump. Uh, and then it kind of made a second top after the summer in November of 2021, where it hit the current all-time high of around 69,000 US dollars per Bitcoin. So if history doesn't repeat but rhymes, uh, maybe next December we'll we'll break 69,000 again for the first time, uh, and then you know the spring after next Christmas, uh, who knows where the new all-time high will top out. If you believe in the stock-to-flow model, I think it, his range was anywhere between 250000 and 500000 Of course, we saw that the stock-to-flow model kind of failed uh, in the last halving cycle. Although, in fairness to stock-to-flow, that was only after uh, they did the stock-to-flow adjusted model, the cross-asset model, or what, stock-to-flow two times or whatever he came up with. The original stock-to-flow model, I think, predicted a top of an all-time high of 55000 and that was pretty close. So who knows? All that I know is that after the halving, miners will receive half the Bitcoin they currently receive for finding a new block. Since miners are the source, the primary source for most of the Bitcoin that's available on exchanges, uh, that means the supply that's available to purchase will be cut in half. Not the supply of Bitcoin, obviously, but the supply of new Bitcoin being dumped by miners uh, will cut in half. And supply and demand says when there's less supply and demand, even if demand stays the same and demand has been increasing, uh, that's why you get those uh, euphoric bull runs, the you know the blow off tops before before the eighty percent retracement that seems to always happen as well. I digress. Where were we? Back to the vital statistics. Bitcoin is currently ringing in with a total market capitalization of five hundred and thirty two billion. That is the first time I can recall seeing it over five hundred billion on one of our podcasts in a very long time. I'm scrolling through my notes and I'm looking all the way back to last October. And it was still in the $300 billion range. So um, even though Bitcoin has gone down significantly this afternoon, our market capitalization is up more than $59 billion since last Wednesday. Uh, so again, people zoom out and you'll notice that trend is continuing up and to the right, regardless of what happens between now and the next halving. Um, 
you know, eventually it's going to, the price of Bitcoin should march back up to that $69,000 range uh, and then surpass it maybe next, around next Christmas or next Thanksgiving. Again, I don't have a crystal ball. You know, the, the past is no guarantee of the future results, but um, if Bitcoin's history even rhymes, uh, that's what we should see. If you still value your wealth in gold, in shiny yellow rocks and little round yellow coins, Peter Schiffbucks, it will currently cost you 14.1 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. That is almost an ounce and a half, a full extra one ounce gold coin to purchase Bitcoin compared to just last week. Despite the fact that you know gold has surged a little bit as well, it is darn near a new all-time high. Uh, I don't think it ever broke $2,000 an ounce, but it's currently sitting around $1,966 an ounce. Uh, And that is because people have been dumping their money into gold as they've been pulling it out of banks and the market as well. Uh, Gold traditionally rallies when when things are looking bad for the economy. It's the, you know, it's the traditional uh, hedge against inflation before Bitcoin Bitcoin came along. And that's one of the reasons that people refer to Bitcoin as electronic gold. Obviously, uh, going up from 1800 to 1900 is nothing compared to going up from 19,000 to going up to 28,000. And when Bitcoin explodes to its new all-time high, you know, that'll be a factor of three. Gold would have to rally to $6,000 an ounce or more to keep up with Bitcoin. And of course, it probably will not, uh, unless we're engaged in hyperinflation, in which case, you know, a loaf of bread will have cost you, you know, $1,000 a loaf of bread or whatever as well, potentially. So... This isn't a gold show. This isn't a market show. This is a Bitcoin show. More importantly, a Bitcoin dollar cost averaging show. And we will get to that. Trust me. Um, I'm anxious to stack as well before the price of Bitcoin recovers. Maybe it'll continue trending down a bit while I'm, while I'm yapping. And that would be cool. For those of you who value your wealth in pizza, one Bitcoin will currently score you 1630 Large pepperoni pizzas from Papa John's, a heck of a lot more than the two Papa John's pizzas that Laszlo bought for 10,000 Bitcoin in the very first Bitcoin transaction, that very first Bitcoin pizza day, the uh, $630 million pizza or whatever that worked out to. Um, And that's uh, almost 200 pizzas more than you would have been able to purchase for one Bitcoin just last week. So again, despite the fact that if you're staring at price charts, it looked like Bitcoin's having a horrible day. It's worth 200 more pizzas than it was just last Wednesday. And looking at the mempool, the mempool is, uh, it's a little more crowded than it was. There's currently 68 blocks of transactions pending in the mempool, up from the 61 blocks it was going to take to clear last week and the 29 blocks before that. So uh, we saw the mempool basically clear for months until the whole ordinals and inscriptions thing came along, and then uh, the Bitcoin bloated up to about 65 blocks worth of pending transactions. And then I think the excitement around ordinals and and inscriptions faded a bit, and we saw the mempool clear out again. And then it slowly trended back up to where we are now at 68 blocks of the transactions pending. Now, that isn't necessarily all ordinals and inscriptions this time. A lot of that, I think, is because people are dumping their money into Bitcoin, the same reason the price is rallying, right? You know, people are looking at the bank failures, uh, and the stock market performance, and they're they're getting off zero. They're maybe buying their first Bitcoin, or increasing their holdings of Bitcoin, increasing their position in Bitcoin, and uh, and so I think that has more to do with it than uh, than ordinals and inscriptions did. Although there's certainly some ordinal inscription traffic out there, uh, we'll see how that pans out. I don't even think it's worth even really discussing ordinals and inscriptions until 
they've matured a little bit and see if they're even still around in a year, for example. And if they are, what form they are or what use cases people have found for them. Uh, right now, that's incredibly nascent. And who knows whether it'll even exist you know, this time next year. I guess we'll find out uh, in, a, in, a, in a 50 or 100 more episodes, depending on how many, how many episodes I do a week between now and then. So along those lines, it is currently looking like it will take a minimum of five sats per byte to guarantee that your transaction clears within even a day. That's a big change. Last week was the first time we saw it take more than one sat per byte to get a transaction included on chain within a day uh, when that basically doubled to two sats per byte. And this week it's five sats per byte. Although last week they were saying to guarantee your, your transaction is included on chain in the very next block, it was going to cost you a 30 Satoshi per byte mining fee. Uh, and that's down a little bit this week. It's recommending a 27 sat per byte mining fee. Again, that's on-chain transactions. We are seeing usage of the Lightning Network completely explode. And uh, I think next cycle, four years from now, uh, we're not even going to be talking about on-chain transactions unless you're a whale or a, a bank or a government. You know, if you're, if maybe if you're buying a house or a yacht, uh, you'll pay on-chain. But you know, if you're certainly if you're buying a cup of coffee at Starbucks or uh, maybe some pupusas in El Salvador, uh, you'll be using the Lightning Network, and that those transactions obviously are basically free and instant. So, um, on chain, on chain activity, while that is what guarantees guarantees Bitcoin's scarcity and security, uh, will continue to always be the backbone, the most important uh, thing that makes Bitcoin function. It will be used less and less by plebs and the average person as Bitcoin adoption increases. All right, that metric that you know I like to follow, Bitcoin's 24-hour on-chain transaction rate. I'm just talking about how on-chain is going to get less and less important, right? Currently, that on-chain transaction rate, the 24-hour transaction volume, is averaging 3.62 transactions per second. That is still absolutely screaming. Nowhere near as fast or near, near as high a volume as last week when it was averaging four transactions per second or the week or two before that at four and a half transactions per second, but well above the 3.14, 3.15 transactions per second that I like to see signaling, you know, healthy on-chain activity. Uh, and so for the time being, uh, you know, on-chain metrics uh, are still really important to me uh, as far as determining the amount, of the amount of activity in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Uh, because, you know, even to start a Lightning Network, or even to start when you start up a Lightning node to open a Lightning Network channel, uh, you do need to do an on-chain transaction, and uh, people still are mostly using on-chain to get their Bitcoin off of exchanges. Although some exchanges will use the Lightning Network to move your Bitcoin to, uh, you know, off the exchange. But eventually, to get it to your hardware wallet, that's going to be an on-chain transaction. And so, for the time being, I like to see above 3.14, 3.15 transactions per second to indicate a healthy amount of activity out there. And we are certainly above that at three. 0.62 transactions per second on average currently. And speaking of on-chain, we're getting closer to the next difficulty adjustment, the next mining difficulty adjustment. Uh, it's been almost two weeks since the last difficulty adjustment. That was an increase of 1.2%. Before that, we had an increase of about 10% two weeks before that, so almost four weeks ago. As you know, Bitcoin's mining, adjust, mining difficulty is adjusted every 2016 blocks, which is theoretically about every two weeks. Uh, and it makes mining the next block either a little harder or a little easier to try and keep those blocks being found on an average of one block every 10 minutes. Uh, we are currently looking like the next difficulty adjustment will be about one day from now. We're about, uh, 
Uh, yeah, about one day, eight hours from the next mining difficulty adjustment. So tomorrow, March 23rd. And depending on where you get your data, that's going to be an increase again of anywhere between 4.22 to 5.9%. So that uh, bottom range has gone up a bit, but the top range has gone down a bit. So as we're getting closer to the actual event, that range is narrowing. Uh, there's a, you know, less, just a little bit more than a one and a half, uh, one and a half percent spread in that range. But either way, it's going to be a mining increase. And that is because blocks are currently averaging nine minutes and 26 seconds. Uh, between the two, between them, a new block being found on average of every nine minutes, 26 seconds. Of course, you know, like I said, that's an average. Blocks are sometimes found back to back, you know, only a minute or two apart. And sometimes they can take a half an hour or an hour or longer. Because again, basically Bitcoin mining is like a computer flipping a coin, only that's flipping a coin trillions of times per second. You know, guessing that, guessing that, guessing that random number to find, to try and find uh, the next block. Last week, that was a lot faster, though. It was averaging 9 minutes and 12 seconds uh, between blocks, so it has also slowed down a bit as well. Uh, so maybe uh, network, the explosive, explosive growth in network hash rate has either tapered off a bit or slowed down. Or again, that could just be random chance, too, because we really don't know how much hash power is on the network. All the estimators are basically looking at how fast the blocks are coming in and using that to determine you know, the number of PETA hash or whatever of uh, computing power dedicated towards securing the, Bitca the Bitcoin network. Uh, and so that can just ebb and flow through pure random chance. Uh, but at the moment, it's coming in faster than it should. And that's what happens with the growth of Bitcoin as it, it's, it is increases in adoption and more people get into mining and mining companies add newer, more powerful mining rigs. Uh, it should be coming in faster than 10 minutes per second. If the network were slowing down like it does during a, you know, the initial stages of a bear market when people are dumping their mining equipment. Uh, that's when you see it take more than 10 minutes per second and the difficulty get easier. And we haven't seen that since we haven't seen that happen for months. Uh, we saw the mining difficulty get a little easier during the winter storms when the miners who had agreed to shut their miners off to let the grid have their electricity in Texas, when the, when the grid was in Texas was under increased demand, increased load uh, for a week or two. Uh, you know, the hash power went down. And of course, prior to that, when China had its so-called so mining ban and 30 to 40% of the network hash power shut down, either to relocate to Texas or other countries or even just go underground in China, uh, we saw, you know, a, a, a uh, an increase in, a decrease in hash power and a decrease in mining difficulty. Uh, you know, four years ago when we had the previous crypto winner and Antminer S9s were the state-of-the-art Antminer uh, you know, we saw them being dumped by the truckload. Uh, they got so cheap that people were buying them just for the recycling value of the aluminum. They were being sold as scrap. Uh, and that kind of thing happens every four years. So now that's why Bitcoin has this mining difficulty adjustment. That was one of the most genius things about the Bitcoin protocol is, uh, you know, Satoshi figuring out a way to keep mining, um, the mining, the, keep the difficulty, the, keep the blocks coming in uh, on an, a consistent average 10 minute time frame uh, by adjusting that mining difficulty. So. It's working exactly as intended. If difficulty goes up, that's because it's working exactly as it's intended. If difficulty mining goes down, it means it's functioning perfectly as intended as well. TikTok, next block. All right, real quick, thanks to those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps, such as the Fountain app or the Breeze Wallet. Uh, again, you should be listening to your favorite podcasting 2.0 app for two reasons. First of all, it allows you to support your favorite podcast, the value for value model. Either you can stream your favorite podcasts Satoshi's on a per minute basis, maybe a sat per minute or whatever, 
based on how much value you feel you're getting from listening to your favorite podcast. Or you can do a one-time tip, basically what's called a boost on Fountain, uh, where you send a tip, a couple thousand sats or whatever, and it, it sent as a message, a boostergram, uh, and it helps support your favorite podcast. And as such, we do have one boostery today. Uh, Leggy squeaked this one in just as I was setting up the studio, getting ready to record. So I, I thought we weren't going to have any boosts, but we do. Leggy, thank you. Leggy sent 6,000 sats saying, quote, now I have to demand a picture of your LED illuminated reef tank on Twitter. Greetings, Leggy. As you were listening last week, you know, I spoke about, uh, I was on a rant about how the government forces solutions and they don't necessarily pick the smartest solution because who knows what technology you're going to have in the future. Who knows what improvements are going to be, uh, inventions are going to be discovered, improvements are going to be made by the market. And my example was when they were trying to phase out incandescent light bulbs, the government mandated those silly compact fluorescent bulbs when LEDs were, were we were on the cusp of, LEDs already existed, but we were on the cusp of perfecting LEDs. And now pretty much everything is LED. If you're watching the video version of this podcast, uh, either on Spotify or YouTube, uh, my studio's illuminated by LEDs. And I mentioned my reef tank is even illuminated by LEDs. Uh, and so Leggy, I will get you that picture of my reef tank. I'm almost embarrassed because I kind of let it get ugly looking um, because I didn't want to do a lot of heavy cleaning and maintenance on my reef tank right before going out of town for a week or two. Because the house sitter that was taking care of my dog and my tank, I just had them feeding my fish. I didn't, um, I didn't want them to tweak any of the anything, even the water level of my saltwater tank. Because saltwater tanks, you know, they're more precise. They're harder to take care of than freshwater aquariums. A lot more things to worry about. So basically, before I left, I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even do a thorough cleaning. I did, I did clean up the filter in one of the pumps because I, you know, I didn't want the water to, the circulation to shut off. But I didn't want to do anything where I risk having a crash. Uh, and that I wouldn't be here to to fix if something went wrong that was a result of, you know, my cleaning, for example. So I did very minimal cleaning, and then I didn't clean the entire time I was gone. And as a result, because my tank is healthy and happy, the coral and algae is basically encrusted over the glass. It's it's almost like trying to peer through a porthole. So uh, it might look ugly, but it means that the, the tank is happy. Uh, but I do need to clean it up, and uh, I'll, get, like, I'll get you that picture. Um, by the time you're listening to this, uh, I will have either tweeted a picture on um, the Space Coast Bitcoin Twitter. That's that's actually, I haven't even spoken about Space Coast BTC before, but uh, my personal Twitter is Space Coast BTC or the uh, the official podcast, you know, Bitcoin BTC Bulletin Pod um, Twitter account. Uh, maybe I will, if I have enough time, if I'm not running super late trying to get this online, maybe I'll even stick a picture in the corner. Um, of this video. Can't promise anything because it's already getting late. I'm always running late. Today's excuse is I'm working on remodeling the studio. For those of you who don't know, um, you know, we, there's a video version of this podcast. If you're listening to Spotify, I had a friend complain though. He said he doesn't pay for Spotify, so he can't see the video version of my podcast. Um, and so, uh, I, we did have a YouTube channel when I first started and I kind of stopped using it because this was an audio only podcast. Just recently, I started going back and trying to put up all the old episodes in video format, uh, and this will be up on video format as well. Uh, but again, uh, Leggy, uh, either I'll either have uh, that aquarium shot on at BTC Bulletin Pod. Hopefully, you're following us there, or uh, Space Coast BTC, uh, my personal Bitcoin Twitter account. All right. Well, thank you very much for your support once again, and real quick, a shout out to all of you listening. Our geographic distribution of listeners has 
hasn't changed at all this week. Last week, I think uh, there were a couple of little changes. One or two companies moved up or down, and the percentages changed a little bit. But this week, our listenership is distributed exactly the same as last week. 51% of you are listening from the United States. Two per, or Correction number two is 13% of you are listening from Argentina. 7% of you are listening from Germany. 3% from Luxembourg. And Leggy's either part of that 3% or 7%, depending where uh, you listened from last week or are listening from right now. 3% are listening from Colombia, 2% from Canada, 2% from Spain, 2% from Venezuela, 1% from Sweden, and 1% from Kingdom, well, the United Kingdom. Something cool that I don't see represented in this chart is I got an email from Apple Podcasts saying that uh, this podcast is the number six podcast in its category in El Salvador, which I thought was really awesome. Uh, I don't know how popular podcasting is in El Salvador. That might make me the sixth most popular of six podcasts that people listen to there, or it might be a big deal. So shout out to everybody. Hola, buenos dias, buenas noches, amigos in El Salvador. Uh, I love your coffee. You've heard me rave about that in the last couple of podcasts, and maybe that's responsible for the boost. So shout out again to the Good Beans, Good Beans Coffee Shop in San Salvador, El Salvador. If, uh, if you're the reason, if you're pimping my podcast out there, and if you're the reason that we spiked listeners in El Salvador, thank you so much. That's really cool. Uh, hopefully uh, we're helping your business out as much as you're helping our podcast out. But thank you to everyone everywhere. You know, hello, United States. Uh, hola, Argentina. Hello, guten Abend, Deutschland uh, und Luxembourg. Hola, Colombia. Hello, friends up north in Canada, Canada, A. Eh? And hola in España, Venezuela. And hello, I don't speak Swedish, sorry. Uh, and I could do a really horrible Swedish impression, uh, but I won't. So hello in Sweden and hello, good day to you in the United Kingdom. And everywhere you're listening, if you didn't rate in the top 10, if you're listening from somewhere that's not listed, like El Salvador, for example, where we know we have listeners, hello to you anyway. Thank you so much for listening. All right, a little bit of the news out there before we get into our stack. And I do want to wrap this up before it gets too terribly late. Also, I want to make that purchase before the Bitcoin price rebounds. Uh, the big news, of course, is the Federal Reserve announced an, a 0.25% interest rate increase. And the take has been all over the place on this. Of course, it was widely anticipated that the Fed would raise interest rates by 0.25%. Some people were already calling that a pivot. Um, but nonetheless, the Fed did exactly what they would do. In Jerome Powell's press conference earlier, he did uh, emphasize that he wanted to point out that his wording had changed, that it was no longer going to, but may raise interest rates more in the near future. They're estimating that maybe rates will go up to 5.1% which isn't even 25 basis points higher than it is now. And that at this point in time, what drives the next rate increase, decrease, or no increase uh, is going to be more market-based than inflation number-based. But again, inflation is still coming in hot. I think it was down, as we mentioned, a little bit from the previous month, month over month. But And even if you look at the 1970s, which had some of the worst inflation that the world has ever experienced, certainly some of the worst inflation that's been very well documented, uh, there were periods where inflation appeared under control, but it was a roller coaster ride. And obviously, the entire decade was marred by inflation, even though at times it looked like it was getting better. And also, I think this whole thing is a fugazi anyway. As I've said on many a rant, uh, the reason that inflation is going to go through the roof is because we're devaluing and debasing our currencies. Uh, and, you know, trying to slow the economy down and make people poor and, and slow down demand for products doesn't offset the fact that the US dollar is becoming increasingly worthless. I mean, even if they don't do anything else, it's lost 98% of its value since 1913 or whatever. So you get the picture. 
Uh, along those lines, there was a shocking, almost horrifying story. Uh, in a, well, there's multiple sources, but one of them is from foxnews.com. And apparently, it was they were talking about how people are, are there's a, been a tremendous increase in people uh, basically financing their purchases. You know, you go to the checkout, and instead of buying with a credit card or cash, or credit card is delaying your purchases, but that uh, financing their purchases uh, to include a 40% increase in people financing their freaking groceries. Uh, when things are getting bad that people are choosing to take a loan to buy their groceries, that is not a sign of the best economy in 40 years. When they keep telling you that the economy is strong and that's why they have to raise interest rates because consumer demand is through the roof. News like the fact that 40%, there's a 40% increase in people using payday loans or pay later, you know, putting your eggs on layaway. Uh, that's not a sign that the economy is doing really well. In fact, that's a sign that the U.S. dollar is freaking worthless and that people might be, you know, there might be more people working this month than last month. But a lot of those are people that used to work at PayPal or Facebook that now work at Starbucks or McDonald's or, you know, the bagging groceries or greeting at Walmart. So, you know, the, all government numbers are padded and manipulated. You know, it gets back to that Mark Twain saying there are three types of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Government statistics being the worst. Uh, inflation and unemployment are probably the two most heavily massaged government BS numbers out there. So anyway, it's just absolutely disgusting that, that people are financing their groceries. Uh, I'm looking for a quote here. It says, the number of grocery shoppers using buy now, pay later services grew by 40%. Home furnishing, home furnishings, another popular category in which consumers have been uh, delaying payments, grew 38% during the time, same time period. So it's it's a no-brainer. You know, people have been using that, you know, buy-to-own crap. Uh, you know, there's whole businesses that sell furniture only on the buy-to-own or rent-to-own plan. So that's nothing new. Uh, so when people are treating their groceries the same way as their sofa or their big screen TV, uh, that's trouble. Uh, that's a big, that's a, that's a problem. Uh, that's a big problem. And it might, we might just be seeing it raising its head above the water, but it, it's like an iceberg. You know, Godzilla is under the, under the water and we're only seeing the spike on the top of his head as far as that's concerned. And speaking of, uh, speaking of rent to own and, and payday loans, the follow on headline to that along the lines of people financing their groceries is as buy now, pay later plans grow, so do delinquencies. So another sign that the economy isn't doing as hot as the government would have you believe People are financing their groceries and then they're defaulting on their payments because they're broke. And when people are broke, they still need to eat. So they're doing desperate things like layaway on their eggs, you know, or, or signing up for, you know, the signing up for credit to where they get the eggs right now. It's not like layaway, but then they get billed for them later. And then of course they can't make their payments and then they get hosed with a gigantic, you know, um, a gigantic late fee, like $34 late fee, which might not seem a lot to you, but when you look at it, a percentage if that's $34 late fee on an $80 or $100 grocery payment, that's like 34% or higher. Uh, and that's often enough to put people that much further behind the eight ball to crush their budget that much more and make people that much more desperate, that much more hurting. It's disgusting. And, you know, folks, Bitcoin fixes this, right? I mean, everybody says that, that fix the money, fix the world. Uh, and hopefully more people are getting into Bitcoin because it's the lifeboat. You know, even... Even the money changers say that, you know, Christine Lagarde said, it's the lifeboat. We need to, we need to close the escape hatch because they're going to get more and more manipulative on their, on their monetary policies or introduce these CBDCs that can control when and what you can purchase. And they are concerned that you'll use Bitcoin instead. That's why they keep cracking down on Bitcoin in China, even though every crackdown has failed. 
uh, because it's capital controls, right? They want to keep you stuck using your slave dollars, your U.S. dollars, your euros, whatever manipulated government piece of paper they're giving you. Uh, and Bitcoin, obviously, has not been losing its purchasing power. Sure, it, we've seen these huge crashes after they hit some new all-time high. And they say stupid things like, Bitcoin has lost 80% of its value since its all-time high. Well, no kidding. But it's also worth $25,000 of Bitcoin right now. And four years ago, it was worth 3000 So you can say, yeah, it's worth nowhere near what it was for like two days in November. Just like the previous all-time high. Everyone said it crashed from $20,000. But really, Bitcoin was only above like $15,000 for a couple hours. Uh, in general, almost nobody purchased higher than $10,000. Same thing with 69000 Unless your dollar cost averaging by the day, you didn't buy $69,000 Bitcoin. Uh, and neither did we, and we're dollar cost averaging by the week, and we I don't remember what we paid, but it was like it was not sixty nine thousand, and we've certainly bought you know we didn't buy the lowest either because we're buying the average price. My point being, if people will get off zero and and put their money in a currency that cannot be debased, a currency that cannot be rugged from you if you're holding it in your own custody, uh, they wouldn't have to worry about financing their eggs. I don't know what else to say about that. That's just disgusting. I mean, that's one of the, that news story of all the BS we've seen in the last two years, even looking back to what happened in 2020 and the controversy around that, having to finance your groceries is the most disturbing, the scariest headline I've seen, including all the headlines that came out of 2020. Uh, pay attention to that, folks. That is a big clue as to what's going on in the economy. Probably the, the, probably the biggest clue of any headline I've seen for sure. All right, a little fun news today. Uh, and this isn't this didn't happen today. You probably already heard this. But if you remember just last December, Jamie Dimon was again mocking Bitcoin and crypto. And he can mock crypto all he wants, but um, mocking Bitcoin is another story altogether. Uh, and that is, remember, in December, he called, uh, he called Bitcoin basically pet rocks. He said, it's just pet rocks. Well, it turns out Jamie Dimon has been the one heavily invested in pet rocks. With the headline, J.P. Morgan reportedly owned a bunch of rocks that was supposed to be $1.3 million of nickel. So J.P. Morgan had nickel contracts of $1.3 million worth of nickel contracts. Uh, and it was recently discovered that the vault that that nickel was supposed to be sitting in uh, was just bags of rocks. You know, like how uh, a lot of the gold out there is you know, bars of tungsten with just a little bit of gold over them. Lots and lots of counterfeit gold. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons Bitcoin is better than gold, is that you can verify on your own computer whether your Bitcoin is legit or not. Nobody can sell you counterfeit Bitcoin. I don't personally have a spectrometer or whatever machine is required to assay gold. So if I go and I buy a bar of gold, I have no way at all knowing whether I own real gold or not. All I can do is hope that the next person will buy it from me as equally unquestioningly as I would have purchased it from the gold broker. Uh, but the fact of the matter is there's a boatload of fake counterfeit gold out there. And apparently, there's a boatload of counterfeit nickel out there as well. And JP Morgan owns $1.3 million of it. All right, the last little breaking news that I wanted to get to before we do our DCA stack, and this is just rumor at this point in time, but it is being reported that Coinbase either is or ha either has been or is about to be issued a Wells Notice by the Securities and Exchange Commission a Wells notice is basically the last step before a before the SEC comes and smacks down somebody for you know a securities violation. Uh, it basically says, "Hey, we think you're violating the Securities Act. Uh, what is your how do you how do you plea basically? What please enlighten us? Why do you think we're wrong?" Kind of thing. And details of that are are sketchy, but 
Uh, it's probably similar to why Gemini received a Wells notice a while back for their Gemini Earn program. You know, Coinbase has been bending over backwards to make it look like when you're staking your ETH or whatever, your altcoins, uh, that they're just a third party. They're just holding your Bitcoin or you're not your Bitcoin, your altcoin for you, that the staking is occurring on chain. They have nothing to do with it, even though they're selling staking services as a service. Uh, or it could also be, you know, they're, you know, they're selling stable coins because like Paxos got a Wells notice for their, for their stable coin. Uh, or it could be the fact that, that almost everything they list on their exchange is an unregistered security and has been declared so by Gary Gensler. Um, I guess we'll find out more of that between now and next Wednesday's episode. Uh, but in the meantime, it looks like the hammer is dropping further, that SEC is cracking down on unregistered securities, and Coinbase is apparently their next target. All right, so why are we here? We're here because we love talking about Bitcoin. But most importantly today, we're here because today is Wednesday as we like to call it DCA Wednesday or dollar cost average Wednesday. And if you don't know what dollar cost averaging is yet, dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this will be our 87th stack. We started stacking Bitcoin uh, almost two years ago, last summer or two years ago this summer, uh, July 28th, 2021. So uh, we chose our equal portion at $20. And the reason I chose $20 is twofold. Uh, well, it's kind of the same thing. I wanted to show that when people say that I I don't have enough money to get in Bitcoin, I'm too late. I only have $50 or $100 or $500 or $1,000 to invest. Uh, I missed the boat. Is it even worth it? And I wanted to show that even if all you can invest is $20 a week, you know, just a pack of cigarettes that you don't smoke a week or, you know, one trip to Starbucks or trip to the drive through McDonald's you don't do a week, that you can stack sats in a meaningful manner. Uh, and... Along those lines, our regular interval was weekly, every Wednesday. Now that's up to you. As we alluded to, there are people out there DCAing daily. The average person that gets into dollar cost averaging on any asset, any investment, does so usually around their payday. So if you're paid bi-weekly, every, you know, every other Friday or whatever, then make every other Friday your DCA day. Uh, the point being that you're consistent. Um, you know, the adage being that time in the markets beats time in the markets every time it's tried. Uh, for example, if you had YOLO'd in back on July 28th when we first started stacking, uh, you'd have significantly less Bitcoin than we did now because you would have bought uh, at a lot higher price uh, than, we've, than we've stacked on average by averaging out over almost two years. All right, so, so far, like I said, we've stacked 86 times. That has earned us a stack of 5,965,700 sats. As usual, we're going to stack today using the Cash App. Uh, Cash App is not a sponsor for this show, but again, we do have that referral code in the show notes. If you want to use Cash App, if it's available where you where you are and you uh, you want some free Bitcoin, uh, you can get, I believe it's $5 free just for clicking on that link when you sign up Cash App, as opposed to signing up and not getting anything. Most importantly, or perhaps as importantly, the podcast will get five bucks free too. So you'll be getting paid to tip the show five bucks and you'll, you know, you'll get started on your DCA journey with Cash App. Today, I do not have any money in Cash App, so uh, I'm going to, it's linked to my debit card, so I can add it instantly. One of the cool things I like about Cash App is I'm adding 20 bucks right now, and it's already available for me to both purchase Bitcoin with, and they will let me withdraw that Bitcoin immediately. Uh, I was playing around the Fold app. I'll talk about Fold a little more later, but uh, I just purchased Bitcoin on the Fold app, and they're not even letting me, it's showing as a pending purchase. It's going to pend for three days before they'll let me do anything with that. And that's money that I've had on my Fold app for months. I put, uh, I put a couple hundred dollars on the Fold debit card because 
Uh, I was going on vacation and I was going to spend that money. That was kind of my spending money. And I wanted to get sats back for it because, you know, Fold lets you get uh, 1% back in sats for using their free debit card. Also not a sponsor of the show. And as you know, if you're a longtime listener, I've had serious issues with Fold because they shotgun KYC'd me a while back. And I eventually gave in uh, because their card was free and I, I, when I was going to go on vacation, if my, you know, when you go on vacation, sometimes your card gets cloned. It's a debit card. I don't want my checking account emptied out. So um, it's a debit card I don't ever use for anything other than play money. And I, might, I thought I might as well get sats back for my play money. So it's a cool feature. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, so uh, I've got the 20 bucks. I'm going to hit buy Bitcoin. Enter $20. Click confirm. And boom, just like that, we've purchased another 72,816 sats. Uh, Bitcoin has gone down a little bit while I was talking. So cool. We got an even better deal. We purchased at a price of $26,848.49. So what, Bitcoin, when I first started yammering, was $27,530. So it's gone down almost $1,000 since then. So hey, cool. Good thing I didn't make this a short and sweet episode. Uh, because that is really cool. I was worried, you know, we're, this is, this is a cash 22, you know, we're getting to the point where we're almost at our break even cost for our, 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 you know, our average cost basis. And that's always kind of fun to not be in the red. Right. But it's the first time we weren't going to lower our average cost basis either. And we were going to get fewer sets for it, but thank you, Janet Yellen or, uh, you know, or, uh, Jerome, or Jerome Powell, whichever you choose to blame for crashing the markets, because, you saved our bacon. We got Bitcoin for $2,000 cheaper than I thought I was going to get it for. So that is awesome. Thank you. And for those of you weeping about watching the fact that Bitcoin's worth $2,000 less than it was this morning per coin, uh, you're looking at this all wrong, man. You should be looking at this as I just got probably five to 10,000 more sats than I was going to get um, for our $20 purchase. So yeehaw, that's, this is making me happy. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Bitcoin stays back down because while it would be cool to set another all-time high, the, the U.S. dollar to me, the U.S. dollar value to me only means, it, it only matters about how much more Satoshis I can stack because I'm not spending any of my Bitcoin anytime soon. Certainly not selling it for the collapsing U.S. dollar. So the only, while it's fun to look at your, your, the, you know, your ledger, your trezor and say, look at how much money I have. You know, that you're, that's, that's looking at the wrong way. You should be looking at it as uh, looking at how fewer sats I can get. And the people who are later than me that aren't, that aren't early, my, my, my no coiner friends and family members, they are going to be able to get fewer sats, less Bitcoin for their dollar when they finally realize they have to get out of the dollar and get into Bitcoin. So I don't want to be a downer about it. I am excited when the price goes up, but I'm also excited that it went down. So that is, that, that's making me happy. So along those lines, that has boosted our stack over the 6 million sat mark. We now have 6,038,516 sats. And that has it's only lowered our dollar, our average cost basis a tiny bit, but it did knock our average cost basis down by another $16.46. So as long as we're buying under our average cost price of $28,815.03, we're going to keep lowering that. Uh, which ultimately only means that if we have to pay capital gains tax, we're going to end up paying more capital gains tax. But it also means we're going to look more and more like geniuses to our friends and family member who are too thick-headed to get off zero. So along those lines, if you had YOLO'd all in back on July of 2021, 
uh, you would currently only have 4,381,106 sats. Uh, and that's being generous. That's just taking the entire, the entire amount we've, we've, we've converted to Bitcoin and not even factoring in the fact that some of that was fees. But even if you could stack for free with no fees, no markup, uh, you'd have, uh, you'd have 1,657,410 fewer sats if you'd YOLO'd in almost two years ago than if you'd dollar cost averaged. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Along those lines, if Bitcoin goes to the moon, if Bitcoin hits that $1 million mark, which is looking like increasingly less and less unrealistic every day, you know, there's people out there now calling for $10 million Bitcoin or billion dollar Bitcoin. But, you know, let's stay humble here, right? We'll just look at a mere 1 million sets, uh, 1 million Bitcoin per US dollars. If we invest, if we don't invest another US dollar into Bitcoin, if we don't convert another piece of fiat into Bitcoin and just hold on to that 6 million sats, when Bitcoin hits that $1 million USD mark, our stack will be worth $60,000, $60,385.16 to be precise. And nobody could argue that that is not one heck of a return uh, for just $20 a week over less than two years. So for those of you out there thinking, I only have $10, I only have $20, I only have $100, I only have $1,000, I'm too late. No, you are not. When we first started stacking, Bitcoin was more expensive than it is now. The miracle of dollar cost averaging did its trick. And we bought all the way up and all the way down. And we bought in at an average price that uh, is pretty much where Bitcoin's break-even point is right now. And will look really sweet when Bitcoin eclipses its all-time high of 69000 regardless of what the next top is. Uh, it'll look even sweeter if it's $1 million or $10 million. If it hits a billion, uh, you know, if Bitcoin hits a billion, that's that $6 million of the Bitcoin for doing nothing. Uh, nothing more than today, you know, nothing more than $20 a week, nothing more than foregoing one trip through the drive-thru, nothing more than foregoing, you know, one, not even, I'd say you go out for drinks after work, you're going to spend more than 20 bucks. I mean, that's more than one beer, but nowadays not much, right? You know, you go have a nice pint of IPA at a craft brewery, you're going to spend eight or $9 at least just on one beer and you're going to have more than one probably. So, you know, there's lots of little things you can do to fit a $20 DCA in your daily daily, uh, daily routine or weekly routine. Uh, and that again, you know, you do you, this is not financial advice. This is just my humble opinion. And hopefully you're getting at least some entertainment value following along. We know leggy, you certainly are. And I'm making that mental note to get you that aquarium picture. Again, make sure you're following us on Twitter. Uh, because if you want to see that aquarium picture, you're going to have to follow the podcast at, at BTC bulletin pod or me at space coast BTC on Twitter. Uh, maybe it's looking less and less likely that I'll be able to throw a picture up in the video version of this podcast because I just don't have time to process it and get everything uploaded and posted before midnight, especially as slow as the internet provider has been here. That is the major problem with living on an island is that the infrastructure sucks. There's not enough of anything. The power is unreliable, you know, not necessarily, you know, South America or Africa unreliable, but it, it, it browns out, it fades out, even if it's just a flicker. Almost once a day, sometimes, you know, the salt spraying on the lines causes something to trip. And uh, all it takes is the power to drop for a second to like reset everything in your house if you're not using UPSs, et cetera. Uh, the other thing is, internet absolutely sucks. And since this is a tourist location and it's spring break right now, there are too many people trying to use the cell phone networks and too many people trying to use the, the internet. Uh, and I digress. It's going to take me a while to get this uploaded. So uh, that's my excuse if I don't have a picture of my aquarium on this show. I need to wrap this up before I, uh, before I, before I do cross that 
run out of time, do cross that threshold. But real quick, I wanted to say once again, please follow us on Twitter at BTC Bulletin Pod or at Space Coast BTC on Twitter. Also consider subscribing to that YouTube channel if you don't if you can't see the video version of this, um, you know, the video version of this podcast on Spotify. If you so feel inc- if you feel so inclined, uh, please consider uh, supporting this podcast. You can do so either on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app like Leggy by sending those boosts. Uh, or you can spot, uh, you can support us directly on the anchor.fm support link. Uh, we have tipping enabled on Twitter. Again, you can tip us and get paid to tip us by using any of the referral codes in the show notes. Again, there's that cash app link. If you want to use cash app and you don't already use it, it'll get you $5 free. Uh, likewise, we have one for strike. I believe it's $10 free for using that, uh, that, that referral code. And as I alluded to, we have a referral code for fold for the fold app, the fold card. Uh, in our show notes as well. And if you are not already using Fold and you sign up for their free service, their free Bitcoin back debit card, uh, you'll get 20,000 sats free just for signing up using that link. Well, once again, thank you for those of you uh, who have been supporting us or and thank you for those of you who haven't but are just supporting us by listening because listener numbers matter. Uh, you know, if you can review us or give us a rating on your favorite podcast app, please consider giving us a five-star review or a Thumbs up on our Twitter posts, et cetera, because engagement feeds the algorithm and the better the algorithm is fed, the more likely people are to see us, to find out about us, and the more people are likely to become orange-pilled as a result. But most importantly, don't forget to join us for the next episode, which at a bare minimum will be next Wednesday and every Wednesday as we consider our dollar, as we continue our dollar cost average journey. And until that time, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.